Welcome to Selfless Security Chat Chat, episode 173 for the 12th of November, 2014. I'm Chester Wisniewski here with Paul Ducklin once again. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing very well, Chester. You are at home in Vancouver for the first time in a while. I am. I'm, I'm, it's, it's a beautiful sunny day here, and unfortunately it's a Patch Tuesday, so that to some degree dictates our topics here on this week's Chat Chat. But it is, it is lovely to be home, and I guess a little closer to Redmond. Maybe I'll get those patches a few milliseconds faster than everyone else. Well, you've got the Adobe Ones as well, or One as well. Their roll call only covered Flash Player this month, and uh, as usual, Adobe was a little coy in their own advisory about exactly what was fixed. Um, but there are 18 CVEs in the Flash Player alone, including remote code execution. So, uh, as always, do not delay, in my opinion. Yeah, that's that's a lot in one batch of Flash Player updates. Uh, for non-Microsoft users, it's a good idea to update uh, your Chrome as well, which, of course, is automatically updated on most platforms. So there was a Chrome release on Tuesday as well. But the big story really is Microsoft. I mean, originally they predicted 16 fixes for this Tuesday, but it turns out on the actual day of uh, delivery, we ended up with 14. Uh, and of those 14, they considered four of them critical, eight of them important, and two moderate. But as we talked about uh, when we were preparing the podcast today, why are there four critical when there are five RCEs? That seems a little disjointed. Yes, I'm never too sure about RCEs that only get important. Um, the one that's important, I believe, is a flaw in Microsoft Office which, as far as I can tell, is pretty much uh, what we usually call a uh, an open and own bug. In other words, I get you to a web page and say, hey, look at this document, or I send it to you as an attachment in an email, and if I can get you to the open the document, then I win. Well, yeah, and, and you know, I've talked to Microsoft about this in the past, and sometimes it, you know, it requires this luck of the draw of hitting a, a precise memory address. Although... We have to remember for those people that aren't patching anymore that may be running, say, Windows XP, that, you know, on a 32-bit operating system with no address space layout randomization, if you're running Office on that platform, you might be a lot more vulnerable. But Microsoft no longer has to consider the risk to you when they're assigning these scores. So there, there are, I guess, several different angles to all that. And, well, since I brought up the point of XP, it is a bit of a public service to remind IT server operators out there that Windows 2003 is going to suffer the same fate on July 15th, 2015. You know, it sounds like a little early to be warning you eight months, nine months in advance that this is coming, but we saw what happened with XP, so I guess you can't really warn people too soon about getting off of an old platform. Uh, and of course, you can always say, well, if someone wants to run XP at home, yes, they put the rest of the infrastructure at risk, but they're not running a server, so to some extent, that's their own lookout. But of course, when I'm connecting to a server, generally speaking, I don't know what's running at the other end. I sort of take it as an act of faith that the person operating the server intends to keep it secure. And of course, if they're going to be doing that next year on server 2003, then they're going to breach that faith because there's no way they can keep it up to date because it won't be getting the fixes. Speaking of keeping things secure, I mean, another thing we rely on from the other end often is um, up-to-date cryptographic libraries using the latest cryptographic standards. <laughs> You're going to secure channel, aren't you? MS14-066. Well, yeah, in a roundabout way. I mean, oh, dear. To explain as simply as possible, there is a remotely exploitable vulnerability 
fortunately privately disclosed in uh, a part of Windows called Secure Channel. That is to Windows what Secure Transport is to Apple. And remember that had the go-to fail bug. If you've got a server that's doing secure stuff, then you're probably relying on this secure channel or S-channel code in Microsoft, and that's where the flaw is. If you're listening for TLS or HTTPS connections, then you're almost certainly exposing this vulnerable code to the internet. So in essence, uh, if you're a server operator, first and foremost, make sure that just like your desktops, you apply all the patches that Microsoft released today, especially MSO 1466. But on top of that, if the server happens to be server 2003, you better start working on your migration plan now and, and find a way to move forward so that future issues with S-Channel or Crypto API uh, in Windows that may occur don't leave your 2003 servers permanently vulnerable. Yes, another important thing to notice is that there is more than one vulnerability on this month's list of bulletins from Microsoft, which affects server core installs as well. It's not just all about Internet Explorer, Microsoft Office and stuff like that, though there are patches for both of those, of course. If you have that stripped down server core install, those need patching and rebooting this month too. So don't leave them. Now, in other news, the FBI and international law enforcement had quite a, I guess you might call it a win, when the news broke that they had taken down the Silk Road 2 and a bunch of other uh, anonymous hosted services in the deep web or Tor network. I do see a lot of people considering things like Tor to be some magical cloak of invisibility. And with this being the second or third major bust on this anonymous network, uh, it's leading a lot of people to question that thought. You know, some folks think that maybe the technology is perhaps fundamentally flawed and, and that there's bugs planted in there by the government. But uh, I, I kind of lean more the other direction. I think it's just a good cautionary tale to say your privacy is dependent on many, many actions and many, many technologies. Well, you're still at risk at your end and at the other end, even if nothing has gone wrong in between. It depends on whether you've got malware on your computer, for example, that could be actually working out what you're doing and even drawing attention to the fact that you're busy with dodgy stuff. Or it could be poor security at the other end, somebody you think you can trust. You know, they could have feet of clay when it comes to security. They could be turncoats. And just the fact that your network packets are encrypted and take some weird route around the internet to get to their destination that can help with privacy and security enormously, but it doesn't guarantee it because it's only a part of the whole. Uh, absolutely. It's just a transport. And, you know, a protected transport's better than an unprotected one. But uh, what you put into that protected tunnel matters as well. And, I mean, it's one of the problems we have with the complexity of modern PCs is all this client-side code that runs. Sure, the web server might, might only see your Tor exit node IP address, but a little bit of JavaScript and I can get your browser to tell me what your IP address is on your local LAN. Because our information is getting spread out all over the place. And unfortunately, there was additional news from Home Depot this week that they discovered in their forensic investigation that they not only lost all those credit cards, but they also lost an additional 53 million email addresses. So while the loss of 53 million email addresses to me, is far less concerning than the loss of credit cards and dates of birth and other types of things that we've seen lost over the last uh, 12 months by major retailers. Um, it's never a good look to lose 
giant amounts of information in bulk like that. And that does put Home Depot consumers at risk of uh, phishing attacks being more likely against those email addresses. It does indeed. And uh, rather sadly, if we're allowed to add together the 56 million and the 53 million, even though they have unequal units, then unfortunately for Home Depot, it means that like Target and Sony and Adobe, they join what we jestingly call the 100 million club. Not a good look indeed. But it's true, you know, tying your name, your email address and where you buy certain stuff may not be the end of the world. But you're quite right that it makes phishing an awful lot easier. Yeah, the, the sadder news is that the United States Postal Service announced a breach this week where they lost information on approximately 800,000 employees and former employees that included their social security numbers, dates of birth, uh, emergency contact information. It sounds like it must have been an HR database of some sort because it's the type of thing that you would only disclose to a human resources department. The information that was lost is precisely what I would be looking for as an ID thief. My assumption when I saw that USPS breach is not so much that it was just HR, but that it was actually to do with payroll and taxation. It's exactly the information that you need to submit uh, income tax returns, isn't it? So unfortunately for people who are employees, at the end of the next tax year, when it comes time to do your return, make sure that somebody else hasn't jumped in first and done a fraudulent refund, which is always a risk around uh, end of tax year time. Yeah, and it's been happening more and more frequently in the United States, so folks do need to be cautious. There's very little, unfortunately, that you can do to head that off proactively. It's certainly probably worth uh, flagging uh, important accounts that may be at risk with a fraud flag. You can do that with the Social Security Administration, the IRS, and also with the three major credit reporting agencies. And that is about the best way to uh, try to be alerted immediately if somebody tries to uh, manipulate your information. The price of internet convenience is eternal vigilance. Yeah, absolutely. And and to wrap up, there was an interesting story that I guess doesn't exactly have a security bent, but being that uh, the day of recording is Remembrance Day here in Canada and Veterans Day in the United States, uh, you discovered uh, some stuff in your email from a reader who had a, a, a buffer overflow discovery related to some rather antique guns. Uh, yes, and that's not guns in the... Uh personal weapons class. That's guns in the artillery class. Uh, this chap, it seems, was on holiday in Cape Town in South Africa and decided he would do the tourist thing and go and watch the firing of the noonday gun. The South African Navy has done it since 1806 or something when the British took over from the Dutch. And uh, they fired this smooth ball muzzle-loading cannon every day, uh, except Sunday, for all that time. So they actually, on the day this guy went there, and he sent a photo to prove it, uh, he was amazed to see they were about to do the 65,536th firing. And uh, being a geek, he suddenly realized, oh no, it could be an integer overflow <laughs> in a 300-year-old cannon. Uh, you know, two to the power 16 firings. That's an awful lot. And uh, he was just reporting in that it it all went off with a spectacular puff of smoke that could be seen in the harbour for people to set their watches by. 
Yeah, we have a 12 o'clock gun here in Vancouver, although these days I'm not sure they actually fire a real gun. Uh, it's it's more of a whistle that goes off every day, but it is a, a long-term naval tradition, although I suspect in Vancouver that we've probably um, only gotten ourselves to about 12 bits, maybe not all the way to 16 bits. We've got a little bit of history to go behind us yet. But it does show how numbers that you imagine are enormously large and will surely be big enough can eventually run out. You, know, you can just imagine if some... If some public servant in 1806 had been asked, well, how many times do you think they'll fire this noon gun before it gets replaced or discontinued or something better comes along? I bet you if you'd said 64 kilo firings, he'd have laughed at the idea. Uh, in the same way, you know, we laugh at the idea that, wow, I've got a hundred billion possible password combinations. That would take centuries to hack. Whereas a $20,000 worth of dedicated password cracking equipment uh, can do that kind of thing in a second these days. Well, and I want to conclude with just saying that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm extremely grateful that we have the opportunity to, uh, to share our opinions and express our opinions even when we're wrong and in such a free and open way with the world. And part of that does come back to Remembrance Day, you know, the saying being lest we forget, we should remember the sacrifices people have made for us to have this uh, incredible opportunity to uh, have the free lives that we share. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. Thank you for that, Paul. And on that note, I will conclude Software Security Chat Chat 173. As always, for the latest and greatest security news, please go to nakedsecurity.sophos.com. All of our podcasts are available over at iTunes on the uh, TuneIn app. You can get us on player.fm or at soundcloud.com slash sophosecurity. And until next time, stay secure.